Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Beaver Parish Church. Morning, I'd like to read to you from Luke chapter 4, a story that you'll recognise as soon as we start to read. Jesus returned from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. In all that time he ate nothing, so that he was hungry when it was over. Then the devil said to him, If you're God's son, order this stone to turn into bread. Jesus answered, The scripture says man cannot live on bread alone. Then the devil took him up and showed him in a second all the kingdoms of the world. I will give you all this power and all this wealth, the devil told him. It was all handed over to me, and I can give it to anyone I choose. All this will be yours then if you kneel down before me. Jesus answered, The scripture says, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and set him on the highest point of the temple and said to him, If you're God's son, throw yourself down from here. For the scripture says, God will order his angels to take good care of you. It also says, they will hold you up with their hands so that not even your feet will be hurt on the stones. Jesus answered him, the scripture says, you must not put the Lord, your God, to the test. When the devil finished tempting Jesus in every way, he left him for a while. Then Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Holy Spirit was with him. Or in another version it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, along with some others, uh, I've written a letter. Uh, I've addressed this to myself, uh, but it's really to all of us at least. It's, it's some of my thoughts about uh, and reflections of what's been happening uh, and Again, it's trying to look at it from the other side of lockdown to see what it might mean for us. So let, let me read this to you. Dear Beaver Church, way back in March, in the earlier part of this year, we had a Sunday service with hardly anyone at it. We didn't even know if we should be serving coffee. Lockdown kicked in a few days later. On the Saturday of that weekend, Janice and I had called into Little at Conswater and were stunned at how little food was on the shelves. It seemed like the world was going mad. I went home that day a little bit anxious about the weeks, months and maybe even the years that might lie ahead. I wondered if anarchy would break out as food became scarce and shops weren't open. Fortunately, lockdown became a very controlled process and the food from production to shop and then arriving in our homes was wonderfully maintained and organised. But everything else seemed under enormous strain. And we, as the people of faith, how are we doing? Because there's verses like, look at the birds of the air, they do not worry about what to wear or what to eat, and their heavenly Father looks after them. How much more are you valued? We love verses like that. But honestly, it's usually when there really is nothing to worry about. But that isn't faith. If what we claim to believe in and live by is never tested beyond what we can manage ourselves, what sort of faith have we actually got? Lockdown is going to test this. And can I say it as as I reflect back on the experience of my faith during these months of lockdown? 
I feel like I have failed in many ways. Our Bible reading today has become a very important reflective tool for us all. In Luke 4 verse 1, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Thirteen verses later, he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. What had happened in the wilderness? Something changed. So, where could we find such a wilderness? In truth, I would never go looking for such an experience, but we had no choice. We were in one. When I reflect back now to the first feelings and experience of lockdown, two things stand out to me. First one is this. We were not in control. Everything about life was reacting to something that we couldn't control. This virus that we knew nothing about was demanding our total attention and all we could do was react. So as well as not being in control, secondly, we were anxious. There was danger in the air. There was danger on our hands. There was danger on the surfaces. Felt like there was danger lurking and hiding everywhere. And our loved ones were vulnerable to it. And many of them had to go and work in it. Anxiety was like a heavy fog, just enveloping us all around. Yet we are the people of God. We have nothing to fear. Look at the birds of the air and all those other verses. And isn't prayer like a vending machine? All I have to do is put the correct amount of change in the slot and I will get the chosen chocolate bar back out. I quickly began to realise that this was far from how it works. I prayed for people who subsequently didn't recover. I prayed for people who subsequently did recover. And all the time, I'm trying to recalibrate how I believe and how I understand God to be and how I read the scriptures in this Bible and see what they actually say. Because in this book, I discovered the Son of God cried out for help one Thursday night and right through the night and into the next day, Friday. And yet his experience was isolation, abandonment, suffering and death. And a strange thought leapt into my mind. If Jesus' prayers can't save himself, what chance have I? Yet my experience and knowledge of God is that he's good. He is the Redeemer. He's my Saviour. He's the Provider. He watches and weeps over me. He laughs and sings songs of delight as he watches me. As a parent watches the development and growth of the newborn child. So as I reflect on what was happening all around, maybe the deeper questions are not really about God, but more about how I experience God and how I live out this life of faith. An example. Many years ago, I sat in a church meeting one Sunday morning, stunned by someone sharing how they'd been under a lot of strain at work for quite a while. Unfortunately, it had also been productive financially. So they went to New York for a crazy shopping spree, and it had brightened them up and revived their faith. Praise God. Sorry, that was a wee bit of cynicism. Maybe a wee bit of jealousy. I couldn't work out why this story was so unsettling, until I realised that that can't be how it works. You can't buy your way into the peace of God. Now, I don't go to New York. But I discovered during lockdown 
that I was missing going out for a meal when I'm feeling a bit down, or buying a new coat or a new pair of trainers when life's got a bit of a struggle, or going out in the car to get away from it all. We weren't able to do any of those things. But well-being and shalom, peace, are part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So how was I to find these things? The unsettling thing about all of this is that Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not be anxious and do not be afraid. Now these words have to be universal for all people at all times and in all circumstances. Peace and serenity was the experience of Stephen in Acts 7 as he waited for the rocks to come, hurled in his direction by an angry mob. Courage, the experience of a Daniel thrown into the lions. Faith and hope, the experience of an unknown woman who reaches out in a crowd to touch the cloak of a passing rabbi, teacher, healer. Where can I get this living water? The cry of a seeking heart of a Samaritan woman at a well, alienated, alone, filled with regret, and no possibility of a different future. So what about an ordained minister of the gospel living in BT8, forced into something called lockdown, who can't get a meal out, can't go to a shop, can't see his children, can't book a holiday in Spain, can't even go for a drive if it's not essential? How is this guy's faith measuring up? How is that shalom, that peace, flooding his soul and mind? Jesus described the life of faith as being life in abundance, life in all its fullness. And I believe this is experienced by faith alone. But was I beginning to realise that it's actually, for me, a mixture of faith and fancy goods, and regular entertaining experiences. This reflecting business is not at all comfortable. So we find ourselves in this wilderness called lockdown. We find ourselves watching Jesus and look for in his wilderness. And one translation describes his experience as one of being driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, compelled to be there. This was necessary. It wasn't just a fancy way to start a new ministry. It was preparation for that ministry. All luxuries were removed and even most of the basics, company, friends, family, food, safety, warmth at night, coolness in the day. Not even a bed. And it's not as if they weren't offered. It's a little whisper in his ear. Why not change some of these stones into bread? Jesus was after a deeper experience of dependence on his heavenly father. So get yourself away out of here, Satan, was his reply. This went on for weeks as Jesus grew gradually weaker and weaker and less able to sustain normal life. And during that time, a second whisper. You can still pray. Negotiate your way out of this with God. Throw yourself from the top of the temple was how it went. That will force God's hand. He will do what you want. He won't let a bone of your body be hurt. Jesus had to be rid of this simplistic version of how God works with us. Or he would never be able to embrace his destiny and live it out. See, there's no promise of alleviation of suffering or the avoidance of physical death. But there is the promise of a new heaven and a new earth and a new life. And all of that promise is wrapped up in this moment by my peace I give you, not as the world gives.
Again, this elusive peace that is promised and offered, but just so hard to embrace and even to find in the wilderness. There was a third whisper from Satan. Are you sure you're understanding this God thing correctly? All this suffering and struggle doesn't sound particularly attractive. Why not modify it a bit and maybe give some allegiance or devotion to me? I can give you some of the things that you know you want, and they aren't bad things. They will numb the pain, ease the stress, bring you an immediate experience of well-being that you can repeat as often as you need to, because I will always be here for you when you need your fix. Never mind all that peace that God promises, not as the world gives. Sure, didn't he make the world? So what could be wrong with using those things that are in the world to bring a wee bit of peace every now and again? There are two possible answers to that one. Go to hell, Satan. Or can I buy it online? Jesus, clearly a lot better at this than you and me, comes through and lives the life and ministry that literally changes history. He emerges from lockdown in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think I may have discovered part of the secret. But do you want to hear it? And sitting here, do I want to hear it? Jesus allowed his lockdown experience to wash him clean of another virus. COVID-1, the me virus. We probably know it as selfishness. See, Jesus didn't give up enjoying food and company and a bit of crack and some nice landscapes and a good laugh and a good walk and some exercise and uh, the occasional miracle when it needed to happen. But he completely broke every desire to do it because he needed it to sustain his relationship with God. He had discovered how to relate to God, whether he had those things or not. He enjoyed a good meal because of what he could bring to the other guests. He sought out company because he knew he could help others. He enjoyed the lake uh, because it gave him time to bless his fishing friends. And sometimes he even stopped what we would have loved, like the time he stopped the adulation of the crowd because he knew there was a solitary frightened soul touching his cloak. He was so sensitive to the needs of others and so comfortable with denying himself that he lived the only totally selfless life that has ever been lived. So my reflection of faith in lockdown is that it has forced me to acknowledge that I am deeply infected by that other virus, COVID-1, the me virus. But my reflecting on Jesus in his wilderness has convinced me that there is a vaccine. It's fine in another corona, a crown, but of thorns on a wooden cross, and it's shaped as a human, but not just any human, God himself in human form, totally free from COVID-1, totally free from the me virus. Philippians 2, 5-11 tells us that he willingly left his heavenly home the safety, the security of all of that. He empties himself. He takes on the nature of a servant and willingly puts his personal needs behind him and offers himself to the point of death. And he is the vaccine. Now in the darkest moments, 
of lockdown. If you listened carefully, you could hear an echo from the far distant past. It's the words of Jesus in Luke 9, 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. The message version is helpful. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? So, dear Adrian, dear church, post-lockdown, did we reshape and reform ourselves to please ourselves and satisfy ourselves and get everything the way we like it? Or did we shape ourselves for that solitary broken person who was hanging on to the tassels of Jesus' cloak? Did we rebuild our doorways and foyers so that the Samaritan woman could walk in, head held high, knowing that we had the best seat kept for her? Did we begin to shape our programs and spaces to create a new environment for those who are not yet part of us? Is it possible that rather than just talking of a society that needs to be more equal for those who have experienced what it's like to be less equal? Is it possible to go beyond talking about that and as a community of faith, living it out? I'm writing this letter in July 2020, about week 17 since lockdown, and restrictions are lifting almost daily. And I'm not sure if I've learned the lessons yet. I'm wrestling, searching for that possibility of emerging from this in the power of the Spirit or more in the power of the Spirit. But I have realised that I have to learn the lessons. There's something about John the Baptist's words that echo through this as well. I must decrease, he must increase. I do have a fear. A fear that I will emerge from this latest wilderness with my spiritual life still infected by the me virus. When the vaccine stands right before us with love and mercy in his eyes. A sobering thought, if we're not changed by this wilderness experience. What a waste of all sorts of things. Some words that we hear and say every Sunday. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks for listening. See you all soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. To hear previous weeks and for more information, go to beaverparish.co.uk forward slash sermons.